following is a presentation of Main Street Media, your source for news, sports, and information on Main Street in Middle Tennessee. Welcome into another episode of Main Street Preps this week. I'm Russell Venosi, joined as always by Tyler Palmatier. And Tyler, it's hard to believe, but we are down to week 11. The final week of the regular season of high school football is here. It's flown by, hasn't it? I know it really has. And uh, they, you know, we've we've already seen some region championships finish, but a couple of really good ones are going to be decided this week. So, uh, you know, this is really a fun week every year. Definitely. And we're going to talk about some of those region titles in just a few moments. We're also going to give our takeaways from last week. But the highlight of the show is our guest, as always. And this week, we've got Lipscomb Academy coach Trent Dilfer joining us. Trent, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me. Let's start with the big news. Trent Lipscomb is moving up to Division II AAA next season. Was that a tough call for you guys, or was that a pretty easy call to make? Uh, it wasn't a tough call. It was really waiting to see what other people were doing. Um, our philosophy since we arrived here has always kind of been the same. To be the best, you have to play the best. Uh, that's why we've been aggressive in our scheduling um, out-of-state opponents. Uh, we want to be hardened by a hard schedule. So we play our best ball late in the year. And uh, we wanted to see where BA and Ensworth went. Uh, once we knew that, that they were staying up, then – it was an easy decision. So um, we're sad to lose the CPA rivalry. It's a great one of the best rivalries in Middle Tennessee. We hope to get them on the regular season schedule. Uh, we've approached them about signing a long-term deal to play us every year, um, so that rivalry doesn't go away. But that's in their court now, and uh, we just we just want to load our schedule every year with the best opponents we can possibly find, and uh, we need to do that in our region. And we love, you know, we haven't been able to play Macaulay and Baylor and BA and Ensworth and Christian Brothers and all those great teams. So we want the chance to play them in our region. Trent, I know you mentioned that the school was kind of waiting to see what Ensworth and BA did. But how long have you guys been mulling this over sort of out loud inside the football office or the administration's office? How long have you been considering a move? And as a coach, What's kind of your role in that decision-making process? I know it probably falls on the admin or maybe a little bit more decision-makers, but I assume you've got some kind of consulting role in that. Well, everything we do here is collaborative at Lipscomb Academy. It's a great relationship between the head of school, Brad Schultz, uh, athletic department, Jake House, Bradley Farmer, myself. Uh, we bring in other wise vo- voices like Kevin Starks, Brad Kuhn, um, but this is something we actually were – we almost pressed the button two years ago at the beginning of this two-year cycle. I, I kind of regret that we didn't, um, but we didn't because mainly the CPA rivalry. You know, we didn't – that is such an important rivalry to us, to them. Um, there's a lot of history there. Uh, we didn't want to lose that, and we were afraid if we went to AAA two, two years ago – 
that we would have lost that. So that was really the decision two years ago not to make it and not to make the jump. And then this year was, again, pretty simple decision uh, after, you know, the two years of, of success we've had in, in double A. Um, we felt like, you know, we needed a greater challenge. And bringing it back to this season, the Mustangs are still unbeaten at 9-0, and heading into the final game of the regular season at BGA this Friday. Trent, what can you say just kind of overall about your team's performance to this point? Well, they've, they've pushed hard. That was our theme of the year was push. We knew it would be a giant challenge after we won state last year that uh, metaphorically that boulder that we had pushed to the top had rolled back down to the bottom and just gotten bigger. Um, and it was going to take, in a, you know, a massive effort by everybody involved to push that boulder back up to the top. And I, you know, I made it really clear to everybody in the community that it was going to take everybody. It was going to take a full commitment. And to our community's credit, our players, our coaches, everybody involved, um, they've exceeded expectations. They've relentlessly pushed. The focus is, has been on going 1-0 every week and getting better the next week of practice. I feel like we've done that. I really believe we're we're a significantly better team right now than we were in week two when we beat the 13th ring team in the country. So, um, you know, we just we worry about us. <laughs> it's us versus us in our world, and we're trying to get better every day. And uh, we feel like if we continue to continue to take on that mentality and have that focus, that we're going to be able to push that boulder all the way back up the top again. The the game last week, Trent. You guys faced a little bit of tension there with CPA going up early, and then you obviously come back with a really impressive victory. Did, did you feel like, or could it be good for you guys, that you've got a game with some tension and some adversity, adversity on the road as you approach the playoffs? Yeah, it was incredibly uh, beneficial to us. Um, we really hadn't faced any corporate adversity since Thompson Week 2. Uh, obviously all of us go through personal adversity. Our team has gone through a lot of personal adversity. We've had, um, injuries were starting to pop up. That was really the first sign, but, but I knew something big was coming in football. I have a 42 year, 42 year old football life. And you realize something in a 42 year football life that you're either walking out of a storm or you're entering a storm. (laughs) So you're either walking out of adversity or entering into it. So I knew something big was coming in a football sense. Um, I'm really glad it happened there. I'm glad it happened the way it did. We literally had everything go against us. Um, I've never been one to complain about things that go on in games, but there were some egregious things that happened in that game that really put us in a bad situation. Um, and to find yourself down 14 nothing in one of the hardest places to play in Tennessee, a place we hadn't won in 13 years, uh, then again 21-7, um, you know, late in the first half, uh, turning the ball over, which we don't do like well, that just is not part of our DNA. Uh, and then to fight back and dominate out them 633 to 147, um, you know, to really do the things that, that we, this is what our calling card is, uh, and fight through all that was just phenomenal for our kids. It, it just proved what I told them after the game was that was the payoff for all the lonely work they've done for so long, but stuff that nobody sees the stuff that our kids do that nobody else does in terms of working. Um, and it all paid off because they never flinched. And one guy that stepped up huge in that second half 
last week against CPA was quarterback Hank Brown. Of course, he's just flourished there behind center, taking over for three-year starter Luther Richardson this season. Uh, it's over 2,000 yards passing now, 31 touchdown passes. What has impressed you most about Hank's play so far and the leadership that he's provided for your team? Well, I think it started when he was the backup to Luther. You know, Luther's one of the best quarterbacks ever played in Middle Tennessee, and, and Hank sat there and um, took his backup role like a pro. Uh, he was relentless in his preparation. He doesn't get any reps. Um, he was a leader, even though he wasn't on the field on Friday nights. Uh, he's a relentless worker. He's got great poise. He's got great character. Uh, his character is off the charts. Um, and then this year, he's you know he took over a, a big role with a lot of responsibility and a lot of pressure, and he's never flinched. And you really saw it happen down in Alabama uh, when, again, I mean, people in Middle Tennessee can understand how good a football that is down there. Uh, and how dominant that team has been for so long. This is Thompson I'm talking about. For him to get hit, I think he got hit 22 times in that game. Um, you know, kept us in it, capitalized on the opportunities he had. Uh, I think it gave him a lot of confidence, and it gave all of us even more confidence that, that we had the right guy. Uh, we had a guy that not just is very talented, but has all the right stuff. <laughs> to play this position for this program. And when you're the quarterback in this program, you're basically an assistant coach. Uh, you have a ton of um, responsibility on you from a leadership standpoint, from a volume standpoint, from a decision-making standpoint. Uh, it's the way we train him here. And uh, he's just, he's answered the bell again and again and again. And again, I would say this, he, as much as anybody has gotten better throughout the season, his practices, are getting significantly better. There are, there are multiple days where the ball doesn't hit the ground, where there's not a bad decision, um, where there might be a lag in the energy in practice and he picks it up. Uh, he, he's everything you could ever want uh, as, a, as a quarterback. Junior Cheryl. Last time I saw him, Trent, uh, he scored six touchdowns, um, and they, went, they happened pretty fast. I mean, his speed looks elite on – a video screen. Uh, obviously, he's a Vanderbilt commitment. Is that going to translate to the SEC? Yeah, it is. It's interesting. That's a great question. You know, we we just uh, partnered with a company called Recruiting Analytics, and they have proprietary technology to use AI to gauge in-game speed. And Junior's actually not a super fast forty runner. Like he he doesn't have a very good start. He hasn't worked on it. He hasn't trained as a forty runner. I think his best times in the low four fives, um, which is not elite. It's fast, but it's not elite. But what we've learned with Junior is his game speed is elite. It puts him in the top one percentile um, in 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 game speed. It 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 uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It translates if you look at NFL Pro Bowlers right now and what they their in game speed was in high school. Uh, it's it's uh, very comparable to that. Uh, functionally in game, his athleticism is off the charts. His score by this company again. This is not me talking. This is an analytics company. Uh, company says that his functional athleticism truly is elite. It, it, it translates, as I said, uh, to the best of the NFL when they were this age. So uh, we have some great football players, and, and he's you know on the top of that list. 
And how about the defense? That's a group that's only allowing about eight points per game, probably a little less than that if you take out the special teams touchdowns from last week. Uh, but you've got Caleb Beasley, Edwin Spillman, Brian Longwell, just a laundry list of stars on that side of the ball. Uh, what do you make of how that yeah, group's playing? Five, yeah, it's 5.3. I've done the math. I was pretty disappointed. <laughs> I've been very disappointed in the three special teams touchdowns we've given up this year. There are circumstances around them out of our control. I mentioned that earlier in the call. Um, however, our job is to, you know, kick the ball, cover the ball, tackle the ball. And we haven't done that to our standard. It's probably been really the only thing we haven't done to our standard this year. But if you take those out, it's 5.3 points a game. Um, I would argue that for the last 17 games, we won 17 in a row. There's never been a defense in Tennessee this dominant. I think the numbers prove that. Um, that's really our calling card. You know, when I got here, I said I wanted our identity to be uh, defense, special teams, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, and offensive line. Everybody thinks I'm a flash and sizzle guy because I was a quarterback and, you know, the big numbers on offense. I always think that's a byproduct of the substantive qualities of your team. And uh, you really want to build it from the inside out. Uh, you want your teams, your bigs up front on the offensive line and your and your defensive personnel to be your calling card. And that, that we are definitely a defensive centric team. We practice that way. We own it. Um, we devote more resources to defense. Um and we have really good players that developed at a high level. Uh, obviously, these were really talented kids when they came to our school in sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, whenever they came. Um, but they've developed through our program. We have great coaches. Our strength and conditioning program, we really believe, is a differentiator for us. Uh, and then their ability to work in the off season when we can't coach them. You know, I think what people don't understand is you can't coach your kids, nor should you be able to, from then to football season until spring ball. So it really lies on the player to be self-motivated um, and to not need instruction from his coaches. And, and our defensive guys do a great job of leading themselves, uh, doing the extra work, working on skill, technique. They're not just great athletes. Um, they're really good football players. They play with a high level, high quality of technique. They play together. Uh, our defensive coordinator, in my opinion, is the best in the country at any level. Um and he, he builds a plan every week to put them in a, in a position to succeed and, and make the offense eat their soup left-handed. I mean, that's really the, the goal of this thing. And, and uh, I think our defensive staff uh, and our players do an incredible job with that. We're in awe of them every week, of the plan they put together and, and how they execute it. The last thing, Trent, then we're going to get you out of here. Uh, I saw you at a Lipscomb baseball game last year. You had a black and purple shirt on. Uh, that had the word villain on it with the L and the A from Lipscomb highlighted. I, I'm just curious. Uh, do you really think you guys are the villains? And is that fair? Well, one, I didn't come up with that shirt. That shirt was given to me. I do think it's appropriate. And I, and I think the proof, I think there's proof that it's appropriate. I, I am treated poorly um, personally by other schools in this area. Uh, our players are treated poorly. Um, we have horrible things said about us, uh, through social channels. We get them every week. We consolidate them. We have folders full of them. Uh, and we really feel it's unjust because we're trying to do it the right way. Our kids first and foremost, are trying to become great people. Uh, we're a human development program. Mass is a high school football team. I think the number one thing around this building, I think any of our players and any of our parents would tell you this, that we care way more about the kid than we do the player. Uh, they feel that. Our parents feel that, our administration feels that, our uh, student body feels that. 
Uh, I spoke at chapel twice over the last couple of weeks and the energy in that chapel about trying to build good men, good members of society, people that make this a better place to live is the primary thing we try to do here. Uh, the football is a byproduct of it. Um, we have these things called kitchen table conversations in the summer. We spend all summer doing them where we sit around a kitchen table and we try to, um, appreciate each other's backgrounds. We try to have empathy for one another. We talk about world issues. We talk about social issues. We want these kids to make this place a better place because, frankly, our generation screwed the whole thing up. Turn on the news every night, and if you want to argue with me, just watch any of the channels. We're not in a very good place. Uh, we want Lipscomb Academy Mustangs to go change the world for the better. The football is just part of it. Uh, the football truly is a overflow of everything else that goes on in this building. It's the way we built it from day one. It's the, if you read the Tennessean article, the first art, the first, um, interview I ever get gave when I took the job here, I told you what we were going to do. And it started with trying to build good men. Um, for me, this is pain turned into passion. I've hired a bunch of men that are great men first and they're really good football coaches second. Um, and that's what we do here. And to have the things said about us that are said about us, you guys, actually the people that say them should feel horrible about yourselves because we believe we are doing it right. And the football is just a byproduct of that. Trent, is that just something you guys try to let slide off your shoulder there? Or is that something that, um, it's been upsetting to, to have those kind of things said? I try, I try to, I try to shield my team from it because they're young boys. Right. And they do. You can tell them not to read social media. You can tell them to be off Snapchat. You can tell them to turn Twitter off all you want. It's not going to happen. So I'm a 50 year old man that's raised four kids. It's been booed out of stadiums and said horrible things said about me and my personal life and lies said about me when I was on TV as when the NFL. I don't care. Right. I, I you can call me Goodyear. My skin's so thick. You can put, you know, s snow tires. Uh, for my skin, but I do care about these kids. I love these kids. I love these kids passionately. Our staff loves these kids. We pray for these kids. We cry with these kids. We, we do everything with these boys and to see them have bad things said about them because they're successful, because they're trying to do things the right way, because they have a lot of offers that other kids don't, you know, that, to me, that's shameful. So I try to take it on me. I really don't care anybody that's listening, what you think about me, but I deeply care what you think about our kids. Uh, and it's truly offensive to hear, uh, and read the things that are said about our, our boys that are truly, truly trying to do this thing the right way. Yeah. I guess that just comes with the spotlight as, as you all well know, Trent, but Hey, congratulations on the great start so far and, uh, and the move up next year to division two, triple a and uh, best of luck the rest of the way. We'll, we'll be talking soon. Appreciate you guys. Thanks Trent. All right. That's been Lipscomb Academy football coach, Trent Dilfer. Really appreciate his uh, candidness there. Uh, re really good stuff there from, from coach Dilfer. And before we go any further, just want to remind everybody that this podcast is sponsored by the Tennessee Highway Safety Office. Fans don't let fans drive drunk. We're going to take a quick break and then come back with our takeaways from week 10. It was just a few drinks. I'm good. I thought it was good. After every game, we always have a few. It's no big deal. It was no big deal. Hey, 
I can hold my liquor. I thought I could hold my liquor. more high school football talk here on main street preps this week and tyler we are going to go super speed round for these next two segments uh interview with coach silver went a little bit long there but it was definitely worth uh the the material so takeaways from week 10 quickly what'd you see that stood out to you yeah well my first takeaway kind of has to do with d2 triple a so i'm going to mention something that trent said there uh i do think it's very interesting um what he said Obviously, they've had quick success and people – it's tough to be the kid on the block all of a sudden where you're just dominant and you're you're really good. You're too good. Um, not too good. But I do think people who have those things to say about Lipscomb, I do think you ought to take five, ten minutes or maybe a couple days and keep your eye on that Twitter account and see some of the things they're doing behind the scenes. Because what he mentioned is uh, some stuff that popped they, – they, they publicize some of that stuff uh, – and I, they, they do do good things for their players. And, uh, you know, I think people, if you're going to, if you're going to maybe have negative things or, or nasty things to say about them, you ought to take the time to see what else they're doing. Anyways, that's all I'm going to do to follow up on that. Uh, after watching Baylor last week, even though uh, they lost at NBA, I, Baylor and Lipscomb will be the, the D2 AAA contenders next year. I think Brentwood Academy is going to be awful good, but man, Amari Jefferson, the, th- uh, the three-star receiver, uh, and Whit Muschamp, the son of uh, Will Muschamp, are going to rack up big numbers. They were dominant at times. They were wild to watch in stretches. I think they're going to be really good. Uh, that is going to be some interesting uh, stuff to talk about next year. Uh, second takeaway, Jamal Stewart got a good teaching moment in a loss against Riverdale. Much like Oakland, he can refocus everybody and uh, by using an out-of-region game that doesn't matter. Uh, and last thing, how about DCA? Uh, so many seniors gone from the 2021 state title team in D2 single A, one and two start this year, but now have won five of six and uh, have staged a region title game at Nashville Christian on Friday. Ashton Jones, been so good, uh, great running back, 100, uh, 1,470 yards rushing and 19 touchdowns this year. So those are my takeaways. That's what I, that's what I kind of brought out of it. And 10 yards per carry, over 10 yards per carry for Ashton Jones. Just un, unreal production there from him. Quickly, here's a few thoughts I've got from the week. Uh, I got to see that Lipscomb Academy win over CPA. It was a great game for about two and a half, three quarters there. And, of course, Caleb Beasley uh, committed to Tennessee right after right after in a big ceremony there on the field. And uh, I think it's pretty much, pretty much out there that Edwin Spillman's probably going to be next. I mean, he was wearing – Tennessee gloves during the game. His older brother's already committed. Now one of his other good friends from his team's committed to Tennessee. And with the way they're playing, you got to think the Vols have the inside track there and wouldn't be surprised if, if that commitment happens sooner rather than later. Uh, I think in 6A, it's time for us to start taking Beach a little more seriously. They've been, not that we haven't necessarily been taking them seriously, but they've kind of been on the periphery, talking about Oakland and Ravenwood and some of these other teams. But they're now up to number six in the Main Street Preps top 25. And they are doing what Anthony Crabtree coach teams have excelled at for years, and that is running the ball, running the ball, and then running the ball again. They're approaching 2,600 yards in the season as a team with 31 rushing touchdowns and averaging about eight yards per carry as a team. 
that is a good recipe for the playoffs and their road in the playoffs right now looks pretty favorable. So Beach is a team to watch. And then lastly, Ravenwood is still trying to adapt to life without Chris Parson. That's That's been a tough road for them. They lost by two at Pope Prep last week. But get this, they started a freshman quarterback, Maverick Chance, last week. Uh, he wore number 85. I guess that's just what they had spare on the uh, the varsity team there. But uh, he went 11 of 13 passing for 101 yards and a touchdown. They might have just found their quarterback of the future. Uh, so maybe a little silver lining there for Ravenwood in the midst of uh, missing out on some some Chris Parson time right now. That's a freshman doing something really good against uh, some good competition. That's that is impressive. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be wearing number eighty-five for too much longer. So, nah, get him six, get him twelve. <laughs> with that, we're going to take another quick break and come back with our picks for week eleven. It's just a few cocktails at happy hour. It's just a few cocktails at happy hour. You're <laughs> <laughs> really good try. There aren't any cops around. I didn't think there were any cops around. I drink and drive all the time. Sir. Sir, you've been in a serious crash. I'm just going to hang on, okay? Love your name, sir. Staff-wide Main Street Preps Pick'em contest has been pretty kind to me this year, Tyler, so I'm hoping to keep some of that magic going. I think uh, you could use a couple couple wins as well, so let's see if we can uh, make it happen this week. First game we want to highlight is Centennial at Brentwood. This is one of those big Region 7-6A games that will potentially decide the region title there. Uh, I'm going to go Brentwood 21, Centennial 14. I think that stout defense that Brentwood's got along with their commitment to running the ball and quarterback Grant uh, Grant Nelson kind of becoming more comfortable in, in um, throwing the ball. Just obviously he joined the team super late in the summer, so that's kind of been a work in progress there. But I think that can be a winning formula for them. And I, I think last week's loss at Beach, you just toss that out. It's a non-region game. It gets a really good team. Don't worry about it. And I think the uh, the Bruins can win a close one here and, and give themselves a shot uh, at least at a share or a tie um, for that region title. Yeah, this was really hard to pick against Brentwood in its stadium uh, on the final game of the regular season, but I'm picking Centennial 17-10. Brentwood's defense is going to be a factor. It's going to keep it a slowed-down, muddy game, but I think Brentwood could definitely uh, benefit from getting its offense going a little bit more, and I just see I just see Centennial doing something here in the last game of the regular season in a, in a year that's been special for that program. I think they have a lot of confidence. So it was a tough one to pick. All the all four of those seven six eight games are are pretty tough picks, in my opinion. Yeah, these teams have been neck and neck really all season. And uh, staying in that region, let's go Ravenwood at Independence next. This is the other game that will help decide that region title. And uh, depending on how each one shakes out, any of the four teams, I believe, could uh, actually get first place. Yeah, that's uh, again. I I like Ravenwood twenty four twenty one, but super tough independence has found a little bit of identity late in the year uh, i think i just think uh that 
that Ravenwood finds a way to win. Carter Pace is a, a good weapon to have in the ground game when the when the clock can be your friend. But I mean, on the flip side, so is Trey Hartwell at, at Independence. It, it should be a great game, and I, maybe Ravenwood has found something at quarterback. That's a huge deal. So, yeah, I'm going to give the slight edge to Ravenwood too, but I could see this game going either way. I'm going Ravenwood 28 to 24. The interesting other wrinkle too, Tyler, about pulling up the freshman quarterback Maverick chances that they're able to move Cartua Chapman back to his natural position of running back and to pair him with Carter Pace. And that is kind of a, I don't know if it's a smash and dash kind of thing, but they're both good backs. And uh, I think that might be enough to gut this one out. Don't think it'll be easy though. Yeah. I think Will Hester, he's done really done a good job coaching down the stretch. I mean, I know they lost a couple weeks ago, but he's, he's piecing some things together. I think he's doing a pretty good job doing that. Yeah, moments like this are when you really earn your stripes as a head coach, there's no doubt. Absolutely. Next up is Memphis University School at Brentwood Academy. Uh, this is this is a game where if Brentwood Academy wins, they can get the region title. Um, I think if they lose, it gets a little messy, Tyler, and I don't have those scenarios in front of me, so we're not going to worry about that because I've got Brentwood Academy winning this game 28-17. Outside of that lost NBA about a month ago, the Eagles have been rolling, including – Pulling out that game last week against Innsworth and a close one. And, uh, you know, there's so much to play for right now for if you're BA because a win in this in this game gives you not only the region title, but then a bye to the second round of the playoffs, a chance to heal up next week. I think that would be huge for them. So I think they're going to find a way to get this done. Yeah, I, I'm going BA 35-20. I just – I think George McIntyre is going to find a way to, to – capture that region title in his his first season as a starter with, with along with a, a group that's been really good uh his McIntyre's ability to kind of claw BA to a win at Endsworth was super impressive the 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 tough throws and plays he was able to make to get them over the hump were really good and I, I just think he he does it again and to wrap it up here how about DCA at Nashville Christian what do you think about that one yeah, I like Nashville Christian 3524. Uh, you know, as said earlier, DCA impressive overcoming its its start. Ashton Jones so fun to watch, but at home I think Nashville Christian gets it done behind a, a phenomenal freshman quarterback and Jared Curtis who I think will be the most dangerous player on the field. I'm with you with most of that. I do think the game is a total toss up, but I'm going Nashville Christian 24 DCA 21. We'll see how that shakes out along with the rest of them. And that is all the time we've got. So thanks for joining us today. And be sure to stay tuned to MainStreetPreps.com all week for high school coverage across the area. And we'll see you back here next time. Same time, same place.